Lord, you are incomprehensible. You're amazing. We love you. Thank you for being here today. I just pray in this time we have that you will help Janet and I both to know exactly what to say and do help us to hear your voice too. Sometimes I get my best messages from you when I'm speaking to others, uh, something inside of me. So whatever you want to do to all of us today, just keep the journey going. We believe you do have a major revival started in, in this world and in this place, and we just want to see it grow and your love be the center of everything. So thank you in Jesus' name. An elderly man and an elderly woman had never been married, either of them, and they started spending a lot of time together. They um, really grew into a friendship. They liked each other. The man felt more growing in his heart than just friendship, but he was very shy. He didn't know how to tell her, so he's at home. He's arguing with himself, why don't you just tell her you like her? But he can't do it, and he's frustrated. He's angry, but finally one day he decides, I'm going to do it. He goes over to her house, gets his courage up, knocks on the door. She says, well, hi, how are you? He says, she says, come on in. So he comes in. He says, I better do it before I lose my courage. So he just blurts out, let's get married. <laughs> she throws her hands up in the air. She says, that's, that's, that's a wonderful idea, but who in the world would want either of us? <laughs> she didn't quite get it, did she? But that, I believe, is the question that reverberates through the universe, and it is the gospel for which we celebrate today, ministry and people. The question is, who would want any of us? Right? You know yourself, I know myself. Why would the God of the universe, who can create worlds with a word, why would he go so far to get me, to get you? And he loves you with a crazy, as what's-her-name would say, love. He will do anything to save you. And only our own resistance, only our own stupidity would cause us to be lost. Thank God. We're here today to worship Him, to thank Him for what He's done. And to just share a little bit. I believe that there are a few things that God has asked us to do in response to that love, in response and cooperation with Him, that will send Him into the realm of miracles for us. But I believe we're still sitting in this world because some of those things we're just too busy to do. We don't do right. And so Janet and I, you know, we, we talk about what we think are the core things wherever we go around the world because everywhere we go we find a lot of similarities. Many cultures, many different things, but every culture has a stronghold of Satan in it. Is it 90% Muslim, Hindu? We've been in Bangladesh and, and uh, in Myanmar and Africa? Is it, is it African worship? Is it, is it evil spirits? Is it, is it money? Is it busyness? Is it the fluent first world thinks they knows everything, know everything, but as God said, it's foolishness? What is it that's holding? But every one of us is held in a culture, and God is trying to break us free. So what is going to actually break us free so that he can come back? We're told he's been waiting for us, really. Wanted to come back a long time ago. Last time prophecy's over. The Pope's doing everything he needs to do. Uh, you know, not waiting on anything except what Zach said for his own people to do a few things he's called us to do. John 15, 7 and 8. You can quote it with me, but look it up. Maybe you put it on the screen. I don't know how you guys do it here, but John 15, 7 and 8. Jesus, his last words on his way to Gethsemane to die for you and for me. Those chapters so important. John 13 to 17. 
his last testimony summarizing his ministry, and he comes back to these, this theme over and over and over again. For those disciples that were they a mess, huh? Fighting over who would be the greatest in the conference. Who's going to be the next ministerial secretary or executive secretary of the conference? And Jesus is on his way to die for them. They didn't get it. You know it well. Verse 5 of John 15. I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. God is going to bless your meetings. All these Bible studies, all your prayers, he's going to give you fruit. He's promised. If you abide in him, for without me, though, he says, you can do nothing. Verse 7 and 8, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. Wow. How about, how's that for a blank check? Now we know there's all about us having desires like his and, and the will and all that stuff, but he says it. And then he says, it'll be done for you by this my Father's glorified if you bear much fruit and so you'll be my disciples. You know that seven times in chapters 14 to 16, he gives the same promise. The last counsel to his disciples, and over and over he comes back to this one. If you'll just abide in me, if you won't separate from me, if you'll take the time away from the world and busyness to connect to me, then you can ask anything in my name and I'll do it. Miracles will happen. You'll bear fruit and that'll bring glory to the Father. Hallelujah. I've been so blessed this week. Your 10 days of prayer was powerful and God is going to answer those prayers. Every earnest prayer of faith sends an angel flying to do something in the great controversy. I think if we believe that, we'd pray a lot more. Sometimes we think it's just an exercise, something we've got to go through. God knows everything. But he said he's limited himself in some ways to our prayers. Um, you know, most of you here know about the SoCal journey and the miracles God worked. And I, sometimes when we go around the world, the prayer partners were praying that God would give us such a, an amazing miracle that it would let everybody in Central know prayer works <laughs> for your marriage, for your church, for your school, whatever it is. If we just pray, and that's what happened. We saw the camp meeting saved. We saw the $2 million offering that's still over a million and, and all these ministries, the youth evangelism team and the evangelist and all those things grew up. God took us on that journey. We know all that. But I tell you, one of the best answers to prayer that I remember from SoCal camp meeting is one of the smallest. But I think it's one of the most powerful. After camp meeting one year, one family, a little single mother, didn't have a husband at the point, had two kids, were in their tent. They didn't have any money. Their month was gone. Their money was gone, and they had a little month left, and they wanted to get that food home. <laughs> they had no way to keep it preserved. If they lost that food, they didn't know how to buy more. Those little kids were kneeling, praying by their bed with their mommy for ice. God, we don't have any money. We spend it all in books and different stuff here at camp meeting. They had no money. They were praying for ice to help the food get home so they'd have a food for the next couple of days. While they were on their knees praying for ice, a block of ice rolled in the back of their tent. <laughs> a block of ice. Did you hear me? A block of ice rolled in the back of their tent. Do you know where that block of ice came from? I can verify this. I can document it. Dr. Dan Oliver and his wife were on the next terrace up, emptying out their ice chest, <laughs> pouring out the water, getting away, and it got away from her, the block of ice, rolled down over the terrace and into the back of that family's tent. Do you think those little kids are going to remember that? <laughs> I love Jesus, don't you? He's amazing. Now, we all know it doesn't know what happened. People have cancer, they die, stuff doesn't get answered the way we want but when little kids pray, look out. Thanks for the school. You get your kids praying. God's going to do amazing things. He answers prayer. God is able, right, to do anything. 
able to do exceeding abundantly above anything we could ask or dream or expect according to his power that works through us in the church. We're praying for Templeton Hills. We got your names on the list. Everybody's taking Bible studies. Everybody at the school. We're praying off that list you send out. It's in our war room. God is going to watch this church be a leadership for the, for the world, I believe. I was told to tell a story from the world today, so I'm going to tell you one of the best ones I've got lately. And it's uh, one I've told a little before, but I've just learned so much more about it. But it's so exciting. Uh, and again, as Janet and I go around the world, we see these strongholds, but we also see Laodicea everywhere. Are you in persecution? You get discouraged, can't break out. Is it some religion that's 90 or 95% of everybody around you? That's pretty depressing. How do you, you can't preach, you can't do anything, you just got to pray. But God has said that he can break strongholds, amen? But Laodicea is everywhere. The world grabs us in, it's just different things. Satan is so smart, he's got a way for every one of us. And God is calling us to break out of that in some amazing ways. Um, Bergamo... Bergamo, I say it wrong, Italy, is one of the toughest spots in the world. We think of Ankara, Turkey, five million, no Adventists. We think of places in the Middle East where there's no Christians, many cities over a million we've never set foot in. Help us, Jesus. We've got to go home quick, but how are we going to do that if we've got to get to all those places? It's pretty mind-numbing. Bergamo, though, prosperous area, profoundly secular Italian city, the ratio of SDAs to the general population in Italy is lower, that ratio, than many of the 1040 window countries of the Middle East and Northern Africa. Secular Europe, they're not growing. They got, they're really in bad trouble. After 150 years of work in Italy, they have 10,000 members there. Central is 30,000, 35,000, 40,000. In 2006, a guy named Giuseppe moved from Sicily to Bergamo. He went there with a heart to see God's work going forward, but he got to Bergamo. It was dying. They were down to 60 members in the city. They had old people. It wasn't, you know, there was no chance really of, of growing. The church's future was death. But Giuseppe was not easily discouraged. He prayed for about six months by himself that God would send him some other people with an intense heart in that church to pray for revival and rededication and renewal of that church. After that period of time, he finally ended up with five. They started meeting in a little family prayer group, Giuseppe and his prayer group. By the end of the year, God was giving them guidance and helping them have some ideas. Their group of elders, by the way, their pastor was sick. He couldn't even serve very well at that time. The elders were also having a little revival. I think their prayers were bringing it about. They began to meet in a home to have an elders' prayer meeting. They got excited. They split that up and had two or three elders' prayer meetings. In that time, they decided to to form in their church what really God told us through somebody, that we ought to have small groups. They decided to have Sabbath school action units. You ever hear that? The Sabbath school classes would become a prayer group and an action group. They'd meet during the week. And so they began to organize that way. Each Sabbath school class appointed a leader, engaged in weekly family groups. Seventy percent of the church ended up involved in one of those groups. In Sabbath school each week, they met to share their experiences and to pray. In Sabbath school, they actually had a time of intercessory prayer. God began to move. In the church service, they began to have intercessory prayer. By the way, Janet and I went to Jamaica to hold an evangelistic meeting. We're not evangelists. We're on fire for Jesus. But we went down there, and the people down there knew about us and that we believed in prayer. And they said, why don't you have some of the prayer stuff you do in our evangelistic meeting at night? We said, sure. (laughs) 
So anyway, instead of a health nugget or something else, we had about 15 minutes or 20 minutes of conversational intercessory prayer in this evangelistic meeting, a bunch of Jamaicans and neighbors pressed in there. Things had gone wrong planning the meetings. I'm telling you another story, sorry, but things had gone wrong with the meetings. The Bible workers hadn't been put to work like they were supposed to, and the pastor was kind of counterproductive and working against us a little. He not failed to announce it. We didn't know what was going on. We figured this was going to be a real blowout. But you know that meeting was such a powerful thing. In those prayer times, the elders, everybody loved them so much. The people that were coming to the meetings were praying with us at night. We baptized 24 people. Now, it's in Jamaica, but it was amazing. Everybody that came and had an interest, professional people, everybody seemed to make decisions. And the elders said, we're going to pray in church every week like that from now on. Anyway, they began to have prayer times in church. And um, God gave an idea as they went up through this for a year or two. Their church began to grow there in Bergamo. But they began to get the idea that each of these family group leaders, home groups, ought to think about planting a church. So they began to pray about that. By 2009, started in 2007, by 2009, amazing results were happening. The, the one group started a church in Borio or something, 30,000 population. By 2015, it has 33 members now, 50 attending. Another church began in another city of 50,000, Oglati, Merati or something, I don't know, 25 members and 55 attending now. 2011, a third group in Tragula, Carriago, has now grown to 34 members, 70 people attending. Prayer bathing every move of that church. It has become in Europe the model. Here's this church that was dying, now has 300 people attending. It's on fire and it's planted three other churches in areas where you can't grow. <laughs> and God is blessing them so that other churches are saying, let's follow the same thing. They just pray. They prayed and they prayed and they loved and they loved. When people came in, they loved them. I see that here. You're not only praying, you're loving you're studying God's Word. You're, you're reaching out, doing what you need to. But that story is all about men and women who had found new life in Jesus, not about growth for the church or something, and coming to belong to, as believers in Jesus. Just a miracle story. Sonia is one lady who showed up at church one day in this journey there at Bergamo. And she came to talk to the pastor afterwards. She said, Pastor, i got to tell you what happened to me. Said, Why I'm here today. She said, on Wednesday I was traveling on a bus, and as I was riding along, I was praying to God, and I said, God, what church should I go to? She said, a tall man came up while I was praying, put his hand on my shoulder. I looked up at him, and he said, you're praying. And I said, yes. And he said, if you want to find a church to go to, you need to look up the Seventh-day Adventist church. She said, I was amazed. I went back to praying, and I realized my prayer had been answered. So here I am. This lady began to study the Bible, and a few months later she was baptized. She was from Bolivia. A couple of months later she told the church, I've got to go home to my little village in Bolivia. There's no church there. So Sonia went home to her church in Bolivia and began to work. She told the folks a little later on that her brother had been in prison, her mother, and a number of their friends and neighbors had now been baptized, and they were forming a little church there in Bolivia. But the story is even greater than that, because... What they realized when Sonia was baptized, one of the elders in the church had taken a list of names of everybody in his apartment building. He had been praying over that list for some months. He realized that Sonia was his neighbor and was one of those names. Dwayne McKee was telling a story the other day of some lady that took a section of the phone book in the Northwest up in British Columbia, just decided to pray over those names. I mean, that's, that's kind of weird. 
Anyway, soon after that, they had a series of meetings. Four of those people were baptized from that section of the phone book. I don't know how it works. It can seem too sensational, but I know this. God has said, if you call on me, I will answer, show you great and mighty things. If you abide in me, if you pray, I can do mighty things. Well, a lot more I could say there. But God is working, and around the world we see the same thing. Elderette Kenya, they began in 2011 to uh, follow some of the initiatives we were doing. They got excited. Uh, five of them, I think it was, started uh, praying, and uh, they started following the 777 thing. And so they prayed for about two hours on Mondays that way. Pretty soon others began to join them. This went on for some time. They did the 10 days of prayer. They did different things that were going with Revival and Reformation. And they had more and more people joining. Finally, they had to get a second group meeting when they headed towards the, the last 10 days of prayer in 2015 and then on to the 100 days of prayer. They rented a building in the community. By that time, they had 200 attending. But they started having all-night prayer things two or three nights uh, a month during the 100 days of prayer. I had a general conference, if you remember that. During that time, they ended up with 400 people attending. Somebody got really excited and invited some pastors from the community and other pastors around. This is Kenya now. Six, it was 50 pastors they invited, I think. 16 of them are now baptized. Several churches have joined the church. They came to those all-night prayer things, and they said, this is where we belong. When we pray together, God's power is unleashed. But we've been told in some statements, this sheet you've got, Take just a minute and look at some of these statements. And these are some of my favorites. Some of you may have seen it somewhere else before. But I really believe with all my heart that there are three main things that God is calling us to. Joel 2, he said, when you do this, you will see the breakthroughs. You will see the latter rain coming. One of them is to call the people and cry out together because we're in trouble. (laughs) We can't handle what's going on in the world. Secondly, have personal prayer, united prayer. But then everybody needs to get involved in ministry. That's another thing. But also, there's a call to repentance. They get serious about sin. They come out of that. It's really the upper room. We're talking about the upper room. The upper room, they got together. They confessed any barriers between them. They confessed sin to God. They were cleaned that way. Then the Holy Spirit came upon them because they were praying, they were praising, and they were thinking about mission. They were praying for reaching the whole world. And they did in, in about 25 years because they prayed for 10 days, preached for 10 minutes, and thousands were converted. Amen? We tend to pray for 10 minutes and preach for 10 days or 10 weeks. Lucky if we get any sometimes. So help us, Lord. The first one there says that um, what the Lord did for his people in that time, it's just as essential and more so we do for his people today. All that the apostles did, every church member today is to do. 7T, page 33. You know the revival of true godliness. It's our greatest need. The last sentence says a revival need be expected. How? Only in answer to prayer. The sound of fervent prayer, Satan's whole host trembles. (laughs) I don't know of anything else he trembles about. Our preaching, our talking, our chatting, our even prayer request giving. But when we pray, he knows he's going to suffer loss. Number five, it's the order of God that those who bear responsibilities should often meet together to counsel with one another and pray earnestly for that wisdom which he alone can impart. Unitedly make known your troubles to God. Talk less. Much precious time is lost in talk that brings no light. Let brothers unite in fasting and prayer for the wisdom that God has promised to supply liberally. Been to a board meeting any time and lots of yakking and self-agendas and no power? Time wasted? Yeah, if you pray in the board meeting, if we pray together over these things, God takes the hearts, changes us, and allows it to be what it should be. 
One last one here, number six. Matthew 18, 19, and 20. This comes out of Jesus' own instruction to his disciples. He said, if two of you agree on earth as touching anything they'll ask, it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The promise, we're told in a letter that Ellen White wrote to some people, she felt, the promise is made on condition that the united prayers of the church are offered, and in answer to these prayers there may be expected a power greater than that which comes in answer to private prayer. The power given will be proportionate to the unity of the members and their love of God and for one another. That's what I heard in the testimonies today. When we pray together, pray for each other, pray for our neighbors, pray for our interests, pray for people in the community, guess what? We're bonded together. Our hearts, and when God sees us bonded together like the upper room, praying like they prayed in the upper room, he gets excited, and the Holy Spirit pours out his power. Janet, come tell us a few more stories about what God can do through prayer. He is able. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above anything we could ever ask or dream or think when we cooperate with him. Pray as I start, and I promise you it won't, I won't take long. I know you're hungry. So if you just bow your heads with me for a moment. Lord, it's always such a privilege to talk about you and to be with people who love you so much. And yet, Lord, I feel so inadequate. And just really pray for Jesus to be lifted up. Even if it's nothing that I say, Lord, we want you. We give you permission. We plead the blood of Jesus over everyone here that you'll speak to them what they need right now. You know what's going on in their minds and their hearts. And I thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. When we moved here to California, uh, Jerry came out first, and I stayed behind, hoping he'd change his mind and come back. No. No, the boys were in school, and we didn't want to interrupt their school year. And so when it came time to move out, Zach and I uh, drove out, and Tyson wouldn't come with us. He wanted to stay in Pennsylvania with his friends at the school. But we're driving across country, and I decided we're going to make it a fun trip, and we're going to see the Grand Canyon. Well, we were, but Jerry made us come here. We went to Carlsbad Cavern. But anyway, we had quite a trip across country. But Jerry's big push, he said, no, Janet, you've got to come. You're taking too long. Get out here. As we're driving across, I said, but we're enjoying it, Jerry. He says, get out here. The reason was we had to come and speak at Templeton Hills. And I said, I don't want to go speak at Templeton Hills. I don't want to be in California. And I just knew that moving to California, I would lose my sons. I did. And I thought, there's nothing good in California. I visited my relatives in Los Angeles. I know. But we come to Templeton Hills Church. And what an experience that was. You know, we were speaking supposedly to bless you, but I was blessed. And there's someone here that took it on to start praying for my son and for us and our ministry. And and then a a lot of you joined her in in a small group Bible study. And we would talk uh, during the week on the phone and she would pray. And I'd asked her to pray for Tyson, my uh, older son. He was in a marriage, not a marriage, he was hoping to marry this girl or planning to there in Pennsylvania. And, and you know, as a parent, you know, you know if it's going to be good or bad. And, and, but you can't tell your kid that. And so Jan here had everybody praying. She was praying. And I have to tell you, the most, one of the most godly women is sitting beside Tyson. 
And I believe it's because of Templeton Hills, people like you that have prayed and have brought that kind of woman into his life. And so I can't thank you enough. Can't thank you enough. You know, you, you think about camp meeting. I remember being there one morning. A group of us were praying, praying for that day. It was the first Sabbath. And we're there praying about everything that was going to happen that day. And then it was time to quit. Sabbath school was starting. And I always wanted to get in there because I wanted to hear Bill Crick with, uh, with the LE students. As far as I'm concerned, there's nothing better than hearing the testimonies of those student LE workers. And as we were quitting and leaving, a pastor comes running in there. And he said, you can't stop praying. You can't quit. We said, why? He said, they can't get signal, signal to the satellite. Now, this is when they had just built the booth in the back, the visual audio booth. And they, you know, were late getting it built right to the last minute. And they were trying to get it uh, hooked up. And for some reason, they could not connect to the satellite. And, you know, a lot of church members can't come to camp meeting. And, and uh, you know, why? I don't know why they can't totally all come. But for some of them, they can't get in there. It was too full. <laughs> why was it full? Because you guys prayed. You guys prayed that the grounds would not be sold. You prayed that camp meeting would continue. You prayed that the campground would be fixed up. There's such a change in that place since when we came in 1995. And it's because you prayed. And, and so this guy says, you've got to pray. So we started praying again. Oh, God, fix that signal. Fix it. Connect it, Lord. You know we need to be on the TV so church members can hear. Lord, please, you got to do this. Nothing was happening. We must have prayed almost 15 minutes, it seemed like. And several of the prayer partners said, you know, we've prayed. God God will take care of it. We're going. we got to go. we got to get into the meeting. And I don't know. Do you ever wonder how long do you pray about something? Well, I'm struggling there, and I'm going, God, I don't have peace. I said, Lord, do we quit now? Do I just step out in faith and go out? Or do we need to keep praying? And I just felt like we needed to keep praying. So I, I said uh, to the group, I said, you know, if you feel you've got peace and you can go, go. That's fine. But if any of you feel like you need to keep praying, would you stay by and pray? So there was a, a few of us that did. The reason a lot of them had to leave was because they had Neighbors they had brought to camp meeting or whoever that they needed to get into that meeting. Let me tell you, I've heard one too many times, we can't just pray, we got to work. Let me tell you, the people who are really praying are working because God will not leave you alone. He will push you into the people he wants you to visit and witness to. And so we stayed by and prayed, but this time we got smart. We started praying, Lord, how do we pray? We've been praying and praying and praying for you to do this, and it's not happening. God, how do we pray? And we just had a time of silence. And during that time of silence, this young adult guy spoke up. And he said, Lord, you, years ago, when I I was here at camp meeting, you woke me up early one Sunday morning. And... I went around the grounds not knowing what to do. And I knew you'd woken me up. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? And I walked by where they're making the tapes, the CDs, things. When they're making, and it's Sunday morning, the camp meeting's ending. 
people, there's going to be a long line wanting to buy the, the uh, tapes. And they got to make labels. Well, they're in a panic in this booth. And he goes up to them and he says, what's going on in here? Because it's this big ruckus. And they said, we're out of ink. We have no ink for the label maker. And people are going to be here wanting to buy these before they go home. And he looked and he said, what kind of printer you got? And he looked at it and he said, you know, I think I have that cartridge. And he went back to wherever he was staying and came back with a cartridge that fit their printer. And they were able to make the labels. But what God led us to do right before he started sharing that was to start praising him. And we did. We started praising him and and thanking him for all the ways we'd seen him work at camp meeting. And the Lord kept reminding us of stuff. So we kept saying, thank you for what you did here. Thank you for how you did this. Thank you for these people that were converted. Thank you for this marriage that was healed. And it was in that that this guy remembered about the tape, the uh, ink cartridge. And, you know, to me, I found we need to pray till we have peace. And then God may give you peace, and then you stop for a while. And then he might trouble you again, and then you pray again about it. And you let the Lord lead you. Uh, we had a huge worldwide prayer conference in Modesto back in, in the year 2000. And it was going really well until about Thursday morning. There was a huge snowstorm in the east. And the speaker that we'd advertised that we knew would bring people in for the weekend called Jerry and said, I can't come. There's a big snowstorm. I can't get out. He said, maybe I can get out tomorrow, but I'm not going to make it in time for Friday night meeting. And, of course, Jerry went into a panic. Our big-name speaker we've advertised isn't going to show up. Yeah, people come to pray, but people come for speakers. They, They want to hear somebody. And he said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he and this guy that was helping us from Voice of Prophecy, I can't remember his name at the moment, but he, they started getting on the phone. They're each on a phone calling, calling, calling. We need a big-name speaker to replace this big-name speaker. And I was there with a, another lady, and, and we started praying, praying, God, lead him to the right one. What do we do? And then I just had this strong thought, and I thought, oh, this isn't going to be good. But I felt like I needed to do it. And that was to go grab Jerry and this other man and tell him, I know you guys are praying while you're calling people, but I just got this burden. We need to just stop and pray together and ask God what he wants. Well, Jerry calmly looked at me like, Janet, we got to get this done, but he did it. And we knelt down, a whole group of us, and we knelt there and we first, you know, started just thanking God, praising him for how he'd been working all week at this prayer conference. And then we said, Lord, what do you want to have happen Friday night? They've called this big name speaker, that one and that one. Nobody can come. What do you want, God? And then we had a time of silence. You know, it's okay in group prayer times to have silence and give the Lord a chance to speak to us. And as we did that, I had this idea come to my mind. And I thought, mm, Jerry will never like that. He won't go with that. No. And it just that overwhelming urge coming out of me. This is what it's got to happen. I go, no. And I was scared to death to say it. But a long time of silence went. And finally, I said, you know, this is what I'm thinking that's coming to me. What's coming to you? And I shared what it was. And do you know, everyone around the circle said, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. 
what it was was to get the Modesto youth, we had a youth prayer conference going on at the same time we had the adult one, to get them to come and share Friday night their testimonies, to get them to lead out in the worship, the service Friday night. And that's what happened Friday night. And the church was packed because people had come from northern Cal everywhere to hear Jose Rojas. But there was no Jose, no guitar, no big mustache. And, <laughs> and, but do you know what happened? It was the best thing that could have happened Friday night. People were talking about it for years after that. They said there was... Uh, just friction, trouble that can happen when you have several churches with one school trying to work together. And they said, having the youth lead out Friday night in doing, sharing their testimonies all brought so much healing and united the community. Oh, that we would wait on God. Oh, that I would do it more. I don't do it enough. And, you know, I know there's many things you're praying and praying about and you haven't seen answers. I want to encourage you this morning, don't give up. Don't give up. Go to God. Keep going to God. But go together with friends and pray also. We need that quality time alone with God. But out of that, we need to come together with a group, no matter whether it's one other person or a larger group, and pray. Pray for our needs. You know, for several years after I was married to Jerry... And we would be traveling around and be in different churches, different places, all over the U.S. at different meetings. I would have somebody in these different places coming up to me and saying, I prayed for Jerry. I prayed for Jerry. I prayed for Jerry. Jerry was a bad boy. I don't think I'd have married him if I'd have known him back then. But his parents were not embarrassed that their son was a bad boy. And they got everybody they could praying for him. Anywhere they could. They'd say, pray for my boy Jerry. I, I had a woman I met. She said Jerry's father was an Ellie uh, book, you know, Ellie guy. And he was training these youth, and, and they're all in the car with him. They're driving down a lonely Colorado road, and all of a sudden, Art pulls off to the side of the road. And they, they, they said, what's the matter? What's the matter? Is something wrong with the car? He said, no. No, he says, I need you to pray right now. Something's going on with my boy, Jerry. And they prayed together. And this young adult, now adult woman said to me, I've never forgotten that. Never forgotten how important prayer is. And she said, now we're praying for my son. There was a man who had donated uh, a lot. And and he had asked us to, to pray. He built a hospital in Las Vegas it was for the government. It was to be a veteran's hospital. And he'd, you know, gone into debt to build this hospital. And it was built, it was done, and the government backed out on him. And they would decide that they don't want this hospital. Well, this is, several, you know, millions of dollars hospital. What are you going to do? Well, he he, had asked us to pray for it. And, you know, I had a group that met every Wednesdays, and we would pray and pray and pray for this, along with many, many other things. And one time, a while had gone by, and he told Jerry, take it off the list. It's no good. I've lost. I went to court, and they, they said no. And they said, look, what are you doing trying to fight the U.S. government? The U.S. government always wins. You, you can't fight against them. 
And so Jerry came home and told me, take it off the list. Well, I was really troubled by this. I thought, that doesn't bring, that's just not right. That doesn't bring glory to God. And, and uh, this person is given all around the world and helps so many people. I, it, it, I just can't believe we need to, st- we got to stop praying for this. So I started asking God, Lord, what do we do? Do you want us to stop praying or do we keep praying? And I just, you know, I don't hear voices and, and I'm not like Moses or God speaks, but just that, that sense inside of me to keep praying. So we did. We kept it on the list and we kept praying and we kept praying and praying for it along with many other things. A while later, I think, I think it was like a year later, I don't know, but this guy calls me on my cell phone. Now, I'm in a Jamba Juice, and with his, there's this rocky music, and I'm looking at this name on my phone, I think, I better not answer here. He's going to think I like this stuff. And, but then I thought, but this person never calls me. I thought, I better answer. So I answered, and he started saying, thank you, thank you for not quitting praying. Thank you that you kept praying. And he started, told me, they ended up taking it back to court, to appeals court, I guess. And that judge ruled the U.S. government in bad favor. They not only ruled the U.S. government in bad favor, but they made the U.S. government, their lawyers and everything, pay for everything, the court fees, just everything involved. And it was such an amazing miracle that it was written or in the law books of history because never had anybody won against the U.S. government like this. And the man came out of it with like $16 million or so. It was just a tremendous miracle of what God can do. Don't give up. Monterey Bay Academy. Many of you were praying. It was, they're looking at shutting it down, but you were praying. Men, all through this conference, people were praying that God would keep that school going. And I'd see Jerry on his face. It's still dark downstairs in this room, praying and praying, God, what do we do? We need a principal. We needed a treasurer. We're almost two million in the hole. What do we do, God? And all of you were praying. We'd send out a letter all over the conference. Will you pray for this? And God literally, Jerry searched the country for the right principal. God literally put the right one in his lap. And then the treasurer. And within just a few years, they had paid off this almost $2 million debt. Started, students started coming. But, you know, the buildings are falling apart, not doing well. And so they did a big rally among the alumni. To, Let's fix it up. Let's fix it up. And they started. But then the alumni were running out of money. And it still needs stuff fixed up. So our little prayer group, we started praying. Lord, if you can't get, and we'd been praying and praying for God to help fix it up. We said, Lord, if you can't get Adventists to fix up that school, then get non-Adventists to come in here and fix it up. And we kept praying this and praying this. Now, when I talk about praying for these things, it's not that, oh, I came up with this bright idea. We're going to pray for this. I really believe God puts it in you to pray these things. And if God puts it in you to pray them, you want to do it because you're about to see God do a mighty thing. And so we did that, kept praying and praying, God, bring a non-Avenist. Do you know God brought a non-Avenist? And when we moved to Maryland, almost three million had been given by this non-Avenist to fix up Monterey. Of course, they needed even way more than that, but... Our God is big. 
He's not limited, but I limit him so much because these things happen in my life and stuff. And I think, oh no, he can't work now. He can't do this. I limit him so much. I don't want to do that anymore. And you know, Jerry, and I'm going to quit just in a few minutes here. Uh, There's more I'd love to share, but you've got those stories too. I know you do. But Jerry and I, we go to the general conference. You know what that is? That's the world church headquarters. You go to the general conference, of course, you know, you're perfect, right? They don't, they don't trans, transfer you there unless you've got it all together. Well, we, of course, you well knew that we didn't have it all together. But, and, and we thought, well, maybe we're going there because God wants to use us to help this world. The reason Jerry and I ended up at the general conference is because God knew that Jerry and Janet needed a lot of refining, a lot of work done in our lives. Thank you. And, and God has done a number on Jerry and I. Now, Jerry was conference president here for 15 years, and before that, he was in Pennsylvania for seven and a half, eight years. So that means he's been king for 20-some years. <laughs> now, Jerry was good. Jerry's always... Sorry. Jerry was a wise leader and always worked through committees. <coughs> so I don't feel like the word king totally fits. But you get the point, right? You are the boss at the top of, of the conference or whatever. So he goes to general conference. He's no longer the boss. He's got at least four or five people over him. And what God can do. I watch Jerry in humility and humbleness take this on. Because this is what God had called him to do. And he did it. And it was, it's incredible. I tell you, I admire that man more every day. But you know, also, Jerry and I, since the time we'd been married, had hardly ever been together. Because uh, of, uh, he was in departmental work and we were traveling. I mean, and he was gone, you know. It's like the boys would ask, who's that man coming in the door, mommy? We weren't sure who he was. But... So we're, we're just, you know, you don't really know each other. And it was kind of at the point where, oh, you're going on another trip? Goodbye. Because you, you don't want to really get that close because you're afraid you're going to miss them or something. I don't know. But we, we are in a job, work, where we're together all the time pretty much. Once in a while we have trips separate, but pretty much all the time. And you're in tiny little motel rooms, hotel rooms, all alone. I mean, um, just two of you in these rooms. And you know, God knew that Jerry and I needed that. It has been such a blessing to our marriage. Such a blessing. Jerry's my best friend now. I love that man more than I've ever loved him. God knows what he's doing. I don't know what he's allowing in your life. I don't know what's happening, but you can trust your God. It won't, I found more and more I just need to say, God, what do you want to teach me through this? What do you want me to learn? Because he's got a plan for each one of us. He will not leave us nor forsake us in what he wants. But, you know, we, we'd find things coming at us. And we'd get upset, get upset with each other and all. And we'd realize, you know, this is Satan trying, trying to destroy us, trying to destroy our working together. And as I said, I'm not perfect going to the general conference. I, I'm realizing more each day how much God needs to cleanse and change in me. But there's one thing I found about God. Have you ever asked God's forgiveness for something? And you've asked God's forgiveness for that same thing. 
And you've asked God's forgiveness for that same thing. And you may have done it a hundred times or more. And you're afraid to go to God anymore and ask forgiveness. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, I'm afraid I can't go and ask him again. He's going to be angry at me. I mean, I've asked so many times, hundreds of times. And I'm afraid to go to him. So my thing would be, uh, in years past, was kind of avoid God. Or at least avoid that talking to him about that sin problem. Because I can't deal with it. But then I really started studying 1 John 1.9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. It doesn't say if we confess it 392 times. Ah, after that, you're out. It doesn't say that. All it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He not only forgives us, but he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And when I I was studying this one day and realizing this, I thought, okay, I'm going to do this, God. And I started coming to God every time I did that sin. I say, God, I did it again. I confess it to you. Lord, here's what your word says. Will you forgive me? I know you'll forgive me. Your word says it. Thank you for forgiving me and cleansing me from all unrighteousness. And I kept doing that and doing that and doing that. Every time I do it, I say, God, I I intentionally did it. I didn't want to do it, but I did it, God. Will you forgive me, God? Thank you for forgiveness. Your word says here you will. Cleanse me, Lord. Change me, God. And I kept doing this and kept doing this and kept doing this and kept doing this. I know you guys are perfect. You don't have this problem. But I kept, I am weak and I kept doing it and doing it. I'll never forget the day I went to do that sin. I couldn't do it. I was abhorred at it. I thought, but I used to love doing this. I've got to do this. But I couldn't. It just made me cringe. It just made me sick. I I just did not want to do it. I did not want to hurt my God anymore. I did not want to hurt Jesus. I did not want to disappoint him. But for me, the victory came in coming to Jesus. And I don't know what goes on in your life. And I don't know when the tragedies, problems hit, what do you do? You turn on the TV and just watch all kinds of movies. Do you go out and get drunk? Do you sit and eat a box of chocolates or eat a bag of potato chips? You, you call and talk to everybody about it. I want to encourage you, come to Jesus. Just keep coming to Jesus, bringing it to him. You know, he says in John, John six thirty seven, and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. In, in John seven thirty seven, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Revelation three twenty. behold, I will stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears And opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Come unto me, all you are heavy laden. God will not cast you out. Keep coming to him. Now, if you know, I'm not talking about like child abuse or something. If you're doing that kind of thing, you need to go report yourself to the police and get help. But I'm talking about those everyday things that all of us do. And we get discouraged. Come to Jesus. Spend that time with him. Read the Gospels and say, God, Help me break my heart with what you've done for me. It may seem boring, this book, but the power of Jesus Christ's life comes into you when you read his word, even you're reading Leviticus, whatever it is. 
Spend that time with him. Read Steps to Christ. Read Desire of Ages. Focus on Jesus' life and let him come in and change you. Would you just bow your heads with me as we pray? And I just want to give you a time of silence and just let you talk to God. Maybe God's trying to talk to you right now. Just see what he has to say. If you need to confess anything privately, just talk to him privately right now, and then I'll close. No, Father, I can't thank you enough for your mercy, your love, and that you don't give up on us. Lord, There may be some people in this room that have it all together, but I don't. And I know there's some here that don't. And I pray, God, that you will encourage them and get them to keep coming to Jesus, to spend that time with you in the word and letting you immerse them in your love and purifying their minds. And, Lord, then bring them together with someone else that they can pray with, meet with, and really intercede for this world. We need people praying, praying for our world church work all over the world, but also for Templeton and the community here. So lead us to that, Lord. We thank you for your love and your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.